Good morning. Good morning. Oh, that's better. Welcome to the Johnson County Interfaith Coalition Voter Engagement Event. I am B. Hicks, a member of the steering committee of Johnson County Interfaith, or JKIC as we refer to it. I will be your MC this morning. I'd like to thank the Kingdom Center for allow, uh, providing this space today. We are pleased to welcome our city council candidates and each of you to this event. The theme of today is Vote Truth to Power. This is an opportunity to educate yourself about the city council candidates as well as about issues which are priorities to people in the South District and people of color. Major sponsors of this event are the Unitarian Universalist Society, the Congregational United Church of Christ, and Goodfellow Printing. The Johnson County Interfaith, or JKIC, is a coalition of 20 faith-based and community organizations working for social and racial justice. JKIC is committed to furthering social and racial justice in Johnson County, providing information on local candidates and informing people of issues related to local government is key to our mission. The City Council has the responsibility of setting policy for Iowa City and administering governmental funds and thus can play a powerful role in ensuring equity. Four City Council candidates have joined us today. They will each give a brief introductory remarks and then later respond to three questions. Each candidate will be available for one-on-one -on -one discussion of issues and their priorities at tables along the back on the other side of the parking lot. Their names are posted in front of the table. The Johnson County League of Women Voters is registering voters and answering questions about voting. They can assist you in checking to see if you are already registered. They can update your registration if you have moved and helped in other ways. The voter registration table is located to my right. Interpreters for Arabic, Spanish, and French languages are available. These individuals are stationed between the candidates' tables and can assist you with discussions with candidates and at the various information tables. There is a floater watching for individuals who might need language assistance. A number of informational tables are located around the perimeter of the parking lot. The Johnson, Interf Johnson County Interface table there on the end features informational brochures highlighting issues of concern to people of color in our community. They are available in six different languages. Additionally, information is available from Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America, Inside Out Reentry, which is down at the end, the Johnson County Affordable Housing Coalition, and the County Auditor's Office. The table-to-table -table truck, the big white one down there, 
in the driveway is giving away free produce. And to my right, the University of Iowa Mobile Clinic is providing free COVID vaccinations and information. Supervised child entertainment is available around the corner to the east. We are providing take-home lunches catered by Selena Creations. You can pick up your sack lunch on your way out. Drawing for door prizes will be held at the close of the event. We have a new Pioneer gift card and a gift card for Midtown rest Family Restaurants. If you haven't signed up for the drawing yet, the drawing table is to my right, and you can sign up anytime before 11.15. Because of the ongoing COVID pandemic and rising cases here in Iowa City, we are asking that everyone over the age of two wear a mask today. If you do not have a mask, they are, they are available at the J-Kick drawing table to my right. Bathrooms are available inside the Kingdom Center and masks are required to enter the building. To launch the program, I would like to introduce the representative from the Johnson County Auditor's Office who give a short update on current voting regulations. Good morning, everyone. I'm Travis Wiper, Johnson County Auditor. Um, been busy working this morning. State law changes require we have to check the drop box so many times within a certain hour period. So myself and another employee pulled the early shift this morning. So unfortunately, no ballots there, but we'll want to make sure that the ballot drop-off box is open. Um, big law change right now is uh, if you're not registered to vote, you need to do it now. Um, you'll still be able to register at the polls. They just push the window further out to 15 days, anything within 15 days. You're gonna have to have ID and extra, just, it's extra steps, you know, not like they're put, you know, making voting harder or anything. Um, outside of that, I really haven't had any complaints, candidates, about your signs in the right of way compared to some school board races, so keep that up. Otherwise, you know, you can vote at our office or we have drive-through voting. We really promote the drive-through that keeps our staff and you safe. Um, otherwise, you can vote in the office. Come on down. The polls will close at 8, the Tuesday of the election. I uh, vote through Monday uh, down at the admin building. Otherwise, I just want to wish all the candidates good luck and call the office if you have any questions. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. We have a timekeeper today as the candidate speak, and that's Jim Olson. He will hold a sign up when you have 15 seconds to go, as well as a sign up that says, stop. 
Okay, I'd now, now like to introduce Megan Alter, who will briefly introduce herself and give comments about her stand on issues critical to the South District Vogue. Megan? Is it okay if I take my mask off for, okay. I'm doing this just because it's, oh, I can hear, I can talk. Okay, please don't count that. So hi, my name is Megan Alter and I'm running for one of the at-large seats for Iowa City City Council. And I am running because I believe in the strength of local effort and ability to create a better normal for us here in Iowa City and especially here in the South District. In the past eight months or so, we've read, heard, and probably even felt the sensation of cannot wait to get back to normal. But I'm here to say that actually at a municipal level, we can't think that way. We can't go back. We have to build a better normal. And there are several ways that this can happen, but I've seen this through the local action and activities that I've been involved in. And because I live two minutes away, um, and I'm a member of the South District Neighborhood Association, I know that local effort and local grit and persistence can make a difference. During COVID, I was one of the co-founders of Neighborhood Nests, one of which was here at um, Fred Newell's place, and he was the, uh, the head of it. And these were micro hubs for students at risk, um, who initially we thought would need educational and technological supports, but quickly came to discover, because the families were telling us, that they needed more help. They needed wraparound care, food security, transportation, social services, and even child care. Um, one of the legacies of Neighborhood Nest, which ended um, after the first try, um, roughly, was that we continue to provide funding for child care. That's one of the issues that I'm incredibly concerned about, and I'll talk more about that later. We have this tremendous moment to affect real change through more access and opportunity that'll help more people in their daily lives and will make us all better, stronger, and happier overall. I'm a proactive candidate who's not going to wait to react to what's on the agenda. I will bring things forward, things like childcare, better retail development here in the South District, and of course, affordable housing. Thank you very much. Thank you, Megan. Next, we'll have uh, Jason Glass. Uh, to briefly introduce himself and give comments about our stand on issues critical to South District issues. Jason? Good morning. Uh, I'm, I'm Jason Glass, so I'm a candidate for a city council. Um, I'm 45 years old. Uh, I live on the east side of Iowa City with my wife and two daughters uh, and my Labrador Retriever. Uh, I'm currently the vice chair of the Iowa City Human Rights Commission, where I have uh, worked for the last two years. And I was a few things that I did on that commission was I was the lead author on the uh, our statement on Black Lives Matter and have recently been the, the lead on advocating for uh, direct payments to excluded workers. 
Uh, I've spent uh, 20 years in human resources positions for companies around the Iowa City and Cedar Rapids area, uh, where I was uh, focused on uh, making workplaces safer, more equitable. I've investigated and resolved dozens of discrimination and harassment complaints. So I've done real work in organizations to fight injustice uh, and make sure that we are that uh, at least in the employer-employee relationship that it's uh, that we have fair treatment uh, of individuals uh, of all kinds. Uh, I now teach uh, at the University of Iowa's Tippy College of Business, where I uh, teach uh, HR and management and leadership courses to uh, undergrads and uh, MBA students. I'm, I led a nonprofit called Professional and Technical Diversity Network, where I uh, where we put on events to welcome a more diverse workforce to the Cedar Rapids and Iowa City area. Uh, and I've volunteered my time to help with people who have barriers to employment because of my HR expertise. I helped with resume writing, uh, interview interview coaching, and those kind of things. So you know, really working on those critical skills to help people overcome barriers to employment. I'm a 27-year member of the Iowa Army National Guard's 34th Army Band, so I get to play music for my my Army job, uh, which has been pretty cool. I'm the drum major for the unit, and I also am the equal opportunity leader uh, for that organization. Uh, I'm running not because of one particular issue, but because I want to be a, a problem solver, uh, because all those all those uh, experiences have meant bringing people together the, of diverse opinions and, and, and backgrounds and, and, and working towards uh, solutions and problem solving. So that's what I hope to do on City Council. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Next, we'll have Bruce Teague for his two minutes of introductory comments. Thank you. Well, hello everyone on this crisp morning. Super excited to be here and thanks to everybody that's been a part. Um, now, interesting enough, I've been finding that when I go out and give talks to people, some people don't actually know a little bit about what I do on a daily basis. And I think that's pretty important for people to know. I, I've been in the spotlight these past two years because of a lot of things. COVID and Black Lives Matter, when we saw George Floyd, I mean, the whole world saw that. And there was a response from this community that, that I was so appreciative of because finally we were having those tough conversations that we tend not to have because of a discomfort level. And so it was very appreciative for that. And there has been the derecho, right? We had that. And so many other things that have come, uh, you know, within our community. We're going to talk about opera funds, I imagine, and some more things that's going to happen. Um, but I came here at the age of 17, and I went to West High School and eventually graduated from Kirkwood and the University of Iowa. I started working in healthcare at a young age. I was actually 19 at Iowa City Hospice, where I cared for individuals with end of life. Uh, situations. And so in 2004, I did get my nursing degree, um, as well as my bachelor in psychology from the University of Iowa. Um, but in 2004, I opened up my own caregiving agency, which we have anywhere between 80 to 90 employees. I don't uh, know what the number is today. Um, but we uh, care for people in the community. Um, we care for individuals with disabilities. We have group homes. We care for elderly people in their own home. And I don't know if you've heard of the birdhouse of Johnson County, the hospice house, but my staff is out there caring for those uh, five people at the end of their life as well. So I, I actually wanted to bring that up because a part of what I do is care for people. I've been caring for people all of my life in Iowa City. I am asking for another opportunity to care for you on in this next four years 
Thank you for your thank you for this opportunity, and I'll see you back in a minute. Thank you. Sean Harmson will introduce himself. Thank you and good morning. Um, my name is Sean Harmson. I'm running for Iowa City Council District B, which is the basically the entire east side of, of Iowa City from all the way, includes part of the southern part of Iowa City all the way up to the northern part of Iowa City. It's kind of an oddly shaped district. Uh, because I'm running in District B, I'm actually running a parallel campaign to uh, the other candidates up here who are running for at-large, so I, I'm not running against any of them. Um, Luckily, I, I know some of you uh, through, um, uh, some of you I'm meeting for the first time. So real quickly, what I'd like you to know about me. Um, I live on the east side of Iowa City with uh, my wife and my two kids, both students in the Iowa City Community School District. I'm a former news guy. I used to be in, in radio and TV news, hence the little monkeying around, feeling comfortable with the microphones. Um, and I currently teach at Coe College in Cedar Rapids. Um, thank you to the uh, Johnson County Interfaith Coalition for setting up this event. Um, again, I know some of you from some of our past activities together, um, and that's important because that's the other thing I want you to know about me is that when I come to the council, I bring my, my history of local activism and supporting causes and people that I believe are important. Um, you know, since I moved back here in 2010 to pursue my PhD at the University of Iowa, I have been um, very, uh, very adamant about supporting the people and causes uh, and groups that, that support um, the things I believe in. So LGBTQ rights, um, Black Lives Matter, uh, the labor movement. In fact, I was looking at the Interfaith uh, Coalition's website and there was a beautiful picture of when we were trying to defend the labor center here in Iowa City. And I only noticed this because I look for it, but I'm way back in the corner there, live tweeting the event because I was there to help support what was going on. So, so again, this, this idea of community activism um, and also the people that I have helped. I believe that um, my thing is lifting people up. And so there are, um, including a, a Mazahir Salih, there are women of color who I've spent time lifting up so, they get, so I can play some little part in their success. And that's what I will do as a city council person is I will lift up the city and the South District uh, to the best of my ability, so. Thank you. Pastor Tony? If you want to, you can set your papers in here. You don't have to worry about the wind blowing up. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, the Johnson County Interfaith Coalition now has three questions that we would like to, to ask our candidates. I'm Pastor Tony Smith, the pastor of New Creations International Church and the president of Johnson County Interfaith. Please keep your responses to uh, to two minutes for each for each for each question. The first question is: What are the three biggest issues you see facing the city council, and how would you address them? I'll start to my left and uh, work to my to my to my right. You're first. Okay. 
Uh, so, uh, three biggest priorities. Uh, the first, the, what I've been talking about throughout the campaign are, are, are three main things. There, there are some, as I mentioned, I'm not necessarily running for any one cause, but I think there are three big things that are facing, that are decisions and that we need to make as a city. Uh, one is around public safety. Uh, we're seeing an increase in gun violence in Iowa City. In 2019, uh, the Iowa City Police Department uh, was, had 15 shots fired calls throughout the whole city and with no homicides. Since the beginning of 2020, so not quite two years, that number's been over 80. And that has included 22 people hit and, uh, and eight homicides. Uh, and I think, and if those, those stats surprise you, I'm not surprised, uh, because we're not talking about it enough as a city. Uh, and I think that uh, the, the role of leaders in, 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 at the city council level is to elevate these things so we can have a community conversation about the best way that we can address these things. There are certainly parts of that that are out of our, out of our control, but there are parts that are in our control. And I want to bring people together that have an, that, that, that are impacted by that, whether that's in our neighborhoods. And but by the way, I, I think that this is not entirely a law enforcement issue. In fact, it's not even a primarily a law enforcement issue. It's an issue of our neighborhoods and our schools and our faith-based community uh, and, uh, and all of us to, to, to make sure that we're you know, addressing why that is. We're also talking about, through that, the, the proper role of police uh, and, and, and dis disparities along race. And I think we can do both. I think we can make, make both our, our community more, more safe and address uh, the, the increased use of guns and violence, as well as uh, the, the proper role of police in, in increasing inequity. Uh, another one is, you mentioned ARPA funds, or the American Rescue Plan funds. And I've been very uh, adamant that a, a portion of that needs to go towards uh, excluded workers, and then the rest of it should be uh, on uh, community development uh, and other projects like that. Uh, and then the biggest one is to make sure that we're focusing on our basic services in the city and that we're making a, a, a safe, predictable environment for investment, particularly here in the South District, which I think has a huge economic opportunity. So those are the three things that I've been most focused on. Thank you. Hi again. Uh, so the three biggest issues that I see facing Iowa City uh, upon getting into council are things that I've been talking about in broad terms, uh, equity, economy, and the community. It's the way that we can understand them easily, but also to understand that they're interconnected, right? We can't talk about the economy without also understanding that that is absolutely an equity issue, and it's also a community issue. How do we raise up and build stronger community throughout Iowa City? So the three that I see as most important that I've been talking about, first and foremost, is childcare. And it has been talked around, but has not been actually addressed. And I will be the candidate who brings this up. To me, it is the single most um, important issue that affects all three of those, equity, economy and community and I have a lot I could spend my entire two minutes and then some on that but I just want to say that we have multiple um, options for being able to solve for it at a local level one size does not fit all and it actually there are different solutions for the immigrant community um, for people who want to professionalize themselves for those who need to have drop-in work there's a lot of options and we just have to dig into that the others are uh, retail development here in uh, the south district pepperwood plaza and iowa city marketplace 
You don't have a strong residential neighborhood without also being able to attend to the essentials. We are known primarily as a commercial district, and we all know who lives here that that's not true. We're a vibrant community. We're a vibrant neighborhood with a strong community identity, and we absolutely need a place where we can buy socks that aren't at the high V. We need to be able to build up small business owners by allowing Chaco Fresca to have a retail space. We need to be able to work together to bring different kinds of retail to the, this area, but we need it. I have one more, and it is affordable housing, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more. Oh, I'm so sorry. Now, it's ironic that Pastor Tony gives us two minutes when I've sat through one of your sermons. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I'm going to try to keep this uh, to, to, to two minutes because there is a lot to talk about as far as like priorities. But I'm going to talk about three um, and I'm going to kind of keep them to the South District because I think we're in this space today and I think it's pretty important. So when we talk about economic success for all, we have to talk about individuals. We have to talk about how can we really impact and give opportunity to individuals. And so when I think about a, a, a mom that is working a job and don't get even $15 an hour trying to make ends meet, and then sometimes we'll hear people say, well, go to school and make it better. Well, all right, go to school. Well, where's the child care? Where's the opportunity? And so there's a lot to be said about that. Um, when we think about the ARPA funds, there's opportunity that I think we can look at how can we really impact the lives of in individuals and make it better during this time. I think about the business opportunities. We have been inundated, um, as, as we saw at the diversity market, opportunities for um, individuals that have great products and services that can benefit our community. How do we make that come into fruition on a larger level? And so I know that one thing when we're talking about budgets, we just said, what are some of your priorities? We need a full-time person at the city that really does dedicate their time to business opportunities for individuals, and especially uh, with an emphasis on BIPOC individuals. Equity is something that we always talk about. Um, there are programs at the city that we do. We look at the Equity Toolkit. I really believe that the city is committed to doing a lot of great things there. But when we think about the 75000 that's going into the one fund when we're trying to impact uh, individuals with, within the BIPOC community, we need to create increase that money. There's other things we're going to talk about, sustainability, and I look forward to coming back up. See? <laughs> I kept it to two minutes. <laughs> Here, I might do this. I don't, want to, I don't want to try and get off the ball. I'll give you those. All right, so uh, as Mayor Teague said, uh, it's, it's really, really hard to narrow down to three issues because there are so many issues that are important to, the, uh, uh, important to our, our community. Uh, first of all, one of the first ones I want to talk about is one that affects the entire community. And maybe I have a little bit of a bias here because my wife is an emergency room physician. And so she's been a healthcare worker on the front lines of this COVID fight since this began. We are not out of those woods yet. We absolutely need to be doing all the stuff talking about these ARPA funds. Uh, but I want to just take a moment to thank Mayor Teague and the City Council um, for their bravery and their, and their living their values with things like the mask mandate. 
Um, people have criticized that and said, well, what can this mask mandate do because there's no enforcement? Go shop at a Hy-Vee in Iowa City, and then go shop at one in, in another town not too far away and see if you can't see what difference that makes. Um, it does make a difference, and we have to keep our people safe. All of these things we want to do, we can't do until we can get this under control. So whatever local efforts we can continue to make, uh, science-based, those are the things I'm going to support because we, everything we, if we try to strive for greater economic development, it's like we're trying to stride with a broken foot um, until we can, we, can, we can manage that as well. And so thank you to what the local, at least local people here in, in Iowa City are doing for that. Uh, the other things real quickly, because I think I, I used a lot of time with that. Um, I'm running because I believe that we need to continue working and keep Iowa City moving in the direction of having greater economic, racial, and social equity and justice. And so those are things um, like I've been fighting for, as I, as I mentioned briefly before, and some of you know because we've been fighting in some of the same shoulder to shoulder in some of the same fights. Um, but, but that's part of it. If we have the economic, if we support the economic stuff here in the South District, we are, we are solving uh, many problems at once. Our problems are big, but if we start to unravel those, those uh, threads um, by focusing on our priorities, um, that's how we can make those, th those changes and continue our community uh, improving. So thank you. Sorry about that, my questions blew away. <laughs> um, the second question is, as a city councilor, what programs, policies, and fundraising or funding opportunities would you implement to close the wealth gap between whites and people of color? Second part of that is, prior to running for council, what opportunities have you implemented to reduce the wealth gap between whites and people of color? We'll, we'll, we'll start on this side this time. Okay. Um, if you want, yeah. Do you, you want to keep the three at-large candidates together, or does it matter? No, you just go first. Thank you, thank you. One of the important engines that we have in order to address issues of, of economic inequality and things like pay and benefits and so on is organized labor. And so that's, that's uh, and of course that's a huge issue and there are many ways to attack it and many ways to address it. That's the way that I have been uh, active in, in that role. Uh, back when I was a graduate student at the University of Iowa, I was the political action chair for COGS, which is the, uh, the union for graduate students, um, and started, uh, that started my activism in local labor issues. I continue to be involved, um, I was involved in the labor fight for the Labor Center, and I continue to be a member of Team CAN, which is the Teamsters Community Action Network, which is a, is a nonprofit which works for, uh, to help communities in a variety of ways, including in issues of affordable housing. Um, they were instrumental in helping when we were organizing up at my mom's uh, mobile home court up in uh, North Liberty after they got bought out by an out-of-state investor um, and decided to jack the rents up 60%. So that affected uh, a lot of uh, 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 lower income folks and uh, disproportionately affected people of, of color. 
Um, and so those are the kinds of ways that I've been engaging in that fight to help with issues of economic uh, inequality um, and helping people, workers, have the right um, to bargain as a group so that the whole group gets to benefit, not just a few people here and there. So thank you. So historically and even current today, what I, what I think we've seen during the pandemic is that direct care workers are critical within our community. And so I have been an advocate with the, uh, with the uh, state of Iowa as well as the East Central region advocating for increased wages. Many people don't know, but agencies like mine as well as um, Sisters Unlimited Marriage Youth Empowerment um, and some of those other uh, agencies, we depend on the state funding. Medicaid is who funds us, and many of you may know that Medicaid is, uh, their reimbursement rates are pretty, um, pretty low, and it, it, it's a challenge for uh, agencies to, in, to even entice uh, individuals to come and work at a pay that is worth, that, that is really paying them worth their time and what their worth is. So that, that fight continues right now. There's a lot of conversations happening uh, because of COVID, and I appreciate the conversations. I do anticipate there will be a move in the needle. How, at, how uh, aggressive, I don't know, but I'm still continuing those conversations with the East Central region as well as at the state level. Um, there's a lot of things happening at our, at our city. We have the social, social Injustice Equity Grant, that's a $75,000 grant. Again, I believe that this council has talked about, and the current council has talked about increasing it, and I believe that when we look at that opportunity again, that the council will be faced with uh, that question again. Are we gonna increase that opportunity for people? There is a microloan grant that is really geared towards smaller uh, business entrepreneurs. It's a $10,000 grant. There are some barriers there that I've been talking about that I know that we can rise above and even look at that, the amount of that grant. Uh, TIF funding, right now to date, that is a fund that only has been given to the big boys. I know that TIF funding is actually allowed for uh, small entrepreneurs, and I've been having those conversations, uh, especially with our new deputy uh, city manager, and I think we're going to see those opportunities come into play. So as I understand the question, it's both what do you want to do and then what have you been doing already? So um, I'm gonna repeat some things actually. Um, what I would like to do um, is to continue to uh, advocate in the ways that the community has already provided input on ARPA funds, uh, long-term investment in the BIPOC community for economic development, for business entrepreneurs to give them a gateway and the training to be able to become entrepreneurs through business incubators. Um, additionally, um, oh, another one that I want to do, sorry, uh, is I just actually put a, my strong, hearty endorsement, Green State is actually investing $5 million into um, 
causes for BIPOC community, and this is incredibly important. Um, it's for home ownership, it's for mortgages, for underserved, underrepresented people, so that they can't, Green State is committed, and I want to say that they're um, looking at an initial uh, buy-in of 1.5 million to be able to help people with down payments and to help speed the process for approval for um, black people who want to own homes, which is historically and currently um, a point where there's a lot of work to be done. So that's something that I incredibly uh, advocate for. In terms of what I have done and continue to advocate for, the South District Home Ownership Program, where it turns long-term renters into homeowners, giving them equity, which helps their families generationally. This is such a massively awesome program. It's in the South District right now. I was on the HCDC when it first came through, and we recommended some tweaks to be able to help keep those opportunities in the neighborhood. And I also, um, now that it's up and running, I want to see it spread throughout the city. I want to see other places where other where folks throughout the community can do that. Thanks. All right, well, as far as, uh, I'll take them in kind of reverse order, I think, but uh, what I would like to do is a couple things specifically to the South District. Uh, I know that the South District is working on an SSMID, which is a tax-protected uh, business district, which allows for reinvestment in the community. I'm a huge supporter of that, and I was really pleased to hear that the downtown district, which is one that already exists in the community, is supportive of that, and that's absolutely the right decision because it's a rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. It's, I'm glad to hear they're not, they don't think of it as a competitive situation, but as a collaborative one and so I think that's an absolute you know a necessity for this area of town and for Iowa City as a whole because a vibrant South District is a vi it contributes to a much more vibrant uh, Iowa City as well uh, I, I agree on entrepreneurship I think entrepreneurship is the the biggest ticket out of poverty uh, there are lots of other things that, that come along with that but I that the ability to to start and own a business is is huge and so that and, and particularly with underrepresented groups that have been historically to be able to invest in that or give incentives I am uh, I'm a big believer and I teach entrepreneurship classes at the University of Iowa, and I would bring some of that experience to help work on that and on council. As far as what else I've done, uh, I've worked in, in human resources for 20 years, and a big part of that was, and I mentioned in my, in my bio about uh, fighting discrimination claims, but it also comes along with equal pay. Uh, yeah, so a big part of what I have done is to make sure that we are looking at the wage gap, whether that's on a basis of race or by gender, and the gender wage gap is also a real thing. Uh, and so I, I have done real work in organizations to, in, in individual organizations, I now teach those concepts, and I consult with businesses to work on that. So that's a, a lifelong passion of mine, and I'd certainly bring that to the city council to make sure that, and that business background to make sure that we are, uh, that not only are we recruiting and, and, and bringing businesses here of all, all types and sizes, from large to those small entrepreneurial organizations things, but that those businesses also make sure that they are, uh, they are welcoming and treating people correctly uh, um, for their employees as well. So thank you. Okay, last question. In Iowa, the rate of gun deaths increased 33% from 2010 to 2019, compared to 17% increase nationwide. 
According to our preliminary plan of community policing, incidents of shootings, of shots fired, and those injured more than tripled in 2020. How would you like to see our community respond to this increase in gun violence? We'll start with uh, Megan, the, the mayor. You, you'll be third okay. and you'll be fourth. I feel like we should all do jumping jacks to warm up. <laughs> I used to do that when I taught. Okay, um, so it's an incredibly important question and thank you for raising it, Pastor Smith. Um, I have the amazing good fortune um, of having been involved with Moms Demand Action for a couple of years and actually have really um, worked with them during this campaign to uh, learn more about community disruption. And as a result, um, I have the good, uh, the gun sense candidate mark of distinction. It's not an endorsement, but I'm really pleased to have that. One of the reasons why I am so um, enamored and respectful of the work that Moms does is because it's about community involvement and community engagement. Um, and it is about working with the police and with other first responders, but it's in a way that's about asset framing rather than punitiveness and discipline. Um, it's about root causes. It's about how do we get guns out of the community? Um, how do we register guns? How do we make sure that they are kept safe for gun owners who have them legally? So those are a couple of things that um, Moms Demand Action builds into the fabric of their being and about how do we address gun violence in communities. And it's also about community building and uh, root causes. And that's why actually so much of what I have been talking about in my campaign is the top three issues have to do with root causes. If you take away the stress and anxiety and trauma of daily life, then people are less inclined to be violent and to take out frustration and anxiety in violent ways. So while that talking about childcare, talking about affordable housing, about food sustainability is not necessarily something that you think of in terms of gun violence. If you get so that daily lives are better and you work as a community and as a neighborhood to strengthen that neighborhood, then there is less likelihood that interlopers will come in and create gun violence. Thanks. Of course, this is a, uh, a very important topic because of the deaths that's been happening here within our own community. I'll tell you that I know personally three of the families. Very, they're very close to me. I've known them for years and years and years. And so this has been uh, an un unfortunate time that our community has been facing. And I think what um, candidate Megan Alter just talked about um, <clears throat> I would I would say is the prevention. What are we doing as far as the prevention? Uh, that's um, really plays an important role. It's youth that that is involved in this. Um, and, and what are some of those roles? I know that 
uh, Pastor Fred has been a hero in our community at really being engaged with the youth uh, here. We also have um, our Mayor Pro Tem, um, who is very involved within the Sudanese community, and also the BIPOC community that has been investing time uh, within our youth. And we have to give a shout out to Pastor uh, Doug Fern, who is over at Parkview Church, who I used to volunteer at the spot that has been very involved with our youth. And so there are there are opportunities and investment in the youth, but what we're seeing today is just unfortunate. Um, the police, I'll tell you that council is not silent about it. Um, me and Mayor Pro Tem, we, on a, almost a weekly basis, um, we're talking about it because over the weekend, we'll get a text or get a call that there has been some type of viol a, a gun issue um, happening within our community. So the conversations are happening. Um, and I believe they're, they're going to continue to happen. What I would say is for individually, uh, what we can do, we can certainly talk to people and encourage them to come forth and work with the police department who is doing investigations every day, actually stopping some things before they happen. So that has taken place. And everything won't be public knowledge. I think there's there has to be that understanding and the respect that we can can't let everybody know what is happening while we're trying to bring an end to this gun violence. Well, thank you for the question. Obviously, this is something I focused on uh, in my in my intro as well. So it's, it's obviously something that I've been focused on and, and, and think it should be a priority. Uh, I'll expand on that a little bit, which is uh, this exactly right is about root causes. And so and, and uh, I think that we have to bring people together to talk about those because the solutions can be different for the reasons why, why this is happening. And, you know, whether it's um, a mental health or substance abuse issue, uh, uh, poverty certainly is part of that as well as uh, the kind of things. And I'm I'm certainly not an expert on all those things or on, on gun violence in general. But I know that as city leaders, what our role is is to bring the people together that do have those experiences, including including law enforcement, uh, and uh, to, to understand and try to come to what, what are some solutions that we can do to work on prevention. So, And I'm glad to hear that, and I, and I know that's true, that those conversations are happening uh, at the city level. I want to have them as a, at, at, a, at a greater level in the community so that we're all engaged and that we all have a stake uh, in, in fixing that as well. Uh, I'll also say that uh, obviously there are things that are out of our control. You mentioned state law, uh, and you know, it, at the city council level, we can't impact that a lot. But to the ex to the extent that we can, it's because we want to make sure that we have at least some positive relationships with people at the state house. So even though we have serious disagreements with much of what happens in in, in Des Moines here in Iowa City, uh, oh sorry, uh, <laughs> uh, I through my human rights work at the state level, I was on the state human rights board. I've done a lot of work at the, at the state level, and I've developed really good relationships with people on both sides of the aisle, and I've done that by do, being respectful and focusing on issues and, and not and not personal attacks or overly partisan kind of uh, conversations. I would want to bring th that experience and those relationships to leverage so that if, if, if there is an opportunity for Iowa City to influence state policy uh, and to at least move the need a little bit, that I could be a conduit for that and really help uh, to develop some of those, those relationships to, for, for the betterment of Iowa City. Thank you. Okay. First, I want to apologize for my papers flying all over the place to the candidates. Oh, so I'm sorry, Sean. Come on up here. I, I am so sorry. He's like, all right, what about me? Go ahead. 
quite all right. So one of the bummers about going last is there's so many good things that have already been spoken. I hate to repeat what other people have said. Absolutely 100% agree with, with what Megan was talking about, all those different ways that you get at some of those root causes of violence, the kinds of things if that'll help. The kinds of things that will um, uh, defuse a lot of those situations before they ever happen. Um, absolutely, we take a look at what we're doing. Um, there are absolutely a role to be played by local law enforcement. Um, the things that neighborhoods are doing, I know part of the question you originally asked is, is what, do, uh, what, what do we as candidates think neighborhoods should do? And I'm actually gonna shy away from, a, from that in just one respect, is that I don't think it's up to me to come here and tell a neighborhood, or me to go to a neighborhood that's not my own and tell them what they need to be doing. I'd rather see my role as somebody to come in see what's happening, listen to those people in the neighborhood, and then help them. Figure out ways we can actually get things done, actually actually get to work. Um, and I really appreciate the talk about the, uh, the impact that we have, we can have as a city council, and the fights that we have to have with the state, state law. And I, I have to admit, I do not have those kinds of connections with the, uh, the political party that is flooding our streets with guns uh, through these really ridiculously lax gun laws. Um, but I do think that I would use my position as a city council member to speak up about our need for common sense gun, uh, gun legislation. Uh, most people in, in, in America support these kinds of things, gun owners and hunters. I grew up hunting. I grew up in rural Iowa. This was part of the culture. We didn't have to have all of and the laws were different back in the 80s and 90s. We didn't have to have uh, AR-15s and, and large capacity magazines and all of these kinds of things and carry our guns everywhere. Um, we didn't have to do that. We were just fine with, with that. Um, and so we need to get back to some common sense gun laws and we need to be speak out about it clearly and explain why those things are important because everything a neighborhood can do is always going to be limited if there's a flood of guns coming into the streets, easily obtainable, straw purchases, easy to find, easy to steal out of people's homes, out of their cars, out of their vehicles because they're carrying them around everywhere. Um, and that's a voice that I'm going to going to be. So. Okay, I want to thank everyone for uh, attending our voter engagement event. And please visit the candidates individually and visit their various uh, inf information tables. Uh, the drawing of our door prizes will be at 1115. Uh, Donna will uh, do uh, the, the drawings and, uh, and Barbara will assist. I'd like to bring up Donna Hurst right now. It says, I am Donna Hurst, chair of... Oh, at 11.15. Okay, all right. Okay. But, but anyway, I, I, to have, I, I would like to say a, a special appreciation to, to Donna for organizing this event and for being a powerhouse for the, uh, for the our integrated inter uh, voter engagement committee for Johnson County Interfaith. So if you would please give her a, a, big, uh, a, a big round. And also all of the people, all you volunteers, everybody that is that has stepped in and, and picked up the ball and ran with it. Thank you, everybody. And also thank you to our candidates. <laughs>